And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. And a very good morning to each and every one of you on uh, this date, this Saturday, January 5th, 2019, the day before Stan the Fan's birthday. Stan the Fan here, just a trolling for gifts and presents. Thought Craig might bring in a check. You ever see the yeah. uh, you ever see the uh, uh, commercial with the guy with the fishing rod going? <laughs> you almost had it. <laughs> anyway, it uh, is the fifth of January, <laughs> a day that uh, shall be uh, in infamy. Yeah, especially tomorrow. Anyway, the bat around. Stand the fan. Craig Heist. Brittany. Brittany, I start to say, say Brittany. Giroli, yeah, Giroli. Know, yeah, yeah, she's going to be on the show, but uh, she's not in studio. Britt Everett is uh, in the studio. By the way, every time Britt Giroli, I ask her to be on a show, I think she qualifies it to make sure she doesn't actually have to see me. She says, now, I, this is, is this a phone interview? Well, or no, because she does TV. Right. And she wants to make sure, well, do I have to get dressed for this? Right, or, exactly. You know, exactly. dressed up, makeup, the whole nine yards. The whole yards, nine right. yards. Women are like that, yes. Uh, whereas you and I come in on natural. Yeah, here you go. <laughs> here you go. What was the big uh, traffic uh, issue? On the uh, I'm coming up 95. I got right past 195 to go to BWI and just came to a screeching halt. Uh, somebody driving a, uh, I would want to say, equipment truck, for right. lack of a better, just lost control. And I think maybe the cab came loose. but. Oh, Went into the went into the guardrail of the bridge because it was on Southwestern Avenue, right yeah. down no. that goes underneath. Uh, but the two left lanes were blocked, so anybody hurt? I know? didn't appear of, but there was a bunch of uh, fire engines and things of that nature, and cop All cars. Right. And All right. Well, I'm glad you made it in. Yeah. And then you were reporting on the way in. It seemed like there might be something starting on 83. Going south. 83 South, yeah, here, uh, Jones Falls Expressway, right near, outside of our building and up on the bridge. Near Cold Spring Lane between Cold Spring and 28th Street. Yeah, yeah, Okay, so like keep it. your eyes open for those. And that will be on the right-hand side okay. if you're heading out. All right. Uh, here's what we've got on the show today. Uh, MLB.com has a new baseball writer coming in to cover the O's. His name is Joe Trezza. Okay. And Joe will replace Britt Giroli. And mm-hmm. ironically, I ended up getting Joe Trezza of MLB.com. He's a new Orioles beat guy. And Britt Giroli will be on. She's now left MLB.com to go to the uh, friendlier confines of the athletic.com, right. uh, Washington. And she's, she's covering gonna, the Nationals. Right, now. and she's going to be on the trash Joe. <laughs> right. <laughs> No, she's going to be sticking her finger out. Nah, 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 nah. See ya. I don't have to write as often. Anyway, uh, Britt Giroli, who did a great job for, um, God, she was here about, what, nine, ten years? 
Yeah, I would think it's ever bit of that. That's, that's hard to believe. Britt Giroli will join us from theathletic.com covering the Nationals. Then Craig Heist uh, went fishing for a guest, and he pulled one in. And, and as, opposed fish to in Stan, Atlanta. as opposed to Stan with his birthday gift tomorrow, yes, yes. I came through. With we'll have Kevin McAlphin from uh, Braves Radio down in Atlanta. WCNN, it looks like, 680 on your radio dial. Right, and he is the pregame and postgame host uh, on the radio side down there for the network. Uh, very knowledgeable, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what he has to say about the Braves, how they've improved. Uh, I want to ask him a little bit about Brian Snitker, their manager, because if there's ever been a baseball lifer, it's uh, Snitker with one organization and the amount of time he spent at the minor league level. Also, Nick Markakis is still out there in free agency, and he, so is Adam Jones. Right, and interesting. He, and and he will not be, I don't think, returning to the to the Braves. So, from that standpoint, I'll get Kevin's reaction as to where he thinks uh, Marquez might go because you know Nick stayed healthy last year, put up phenomenal numbers, and played the uh, solid right field that we came to mm-hmm. know here in Baltimore. Uh, so uh, again, maybe where he we'll ask Kevin where he thinks Nick may land. All right, that sounds good. That all sounds good. Um, at eleven twenty, we're going to work on something a little different than I had anticipated. But around eleven thirty-five, Josh Soroka of Section three thirty-six will be in the building. All right, <clears throat> so that's what we've got for you uh, in this building. In this building, he wow. will be here. He will be here. You want to know? You want to know what Baltimore football fans are like. What are they as, like? As, as we approach the playoff game tomorrow. Yeah, guy I grew up with at Kenwood High School. Right. Fred Growl. Right. Right. This is NFL trivia. What do you call fifty-three people watching the playoffs this weekend? And he says the Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> that's a good one. That's that's, uh, not that's bad. pretty good. That's, that's not pretty bad. good. Um, by the way, the person I mentioned who's having a birthday today. Could you give Brittany his phone number? I don't have it in my. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah We're yeah, going to yeah. try and get somebody on 1120, special friend of ours. Uh, we'll try and fit him in, see if, unless he's partying uh, like it's 1984. But anyway, we're going to get started. <laughs> or he now. wishes it was 1984. Uh, believe me, I wish it was 1984, too. <laughs> I'd be 32 instead of 67. Yeah. Um,. Craig, let's start with a, a quick little uh, football. Uh, who do you like in the uh, home game for the Ravens tomorrow I'm against gonna pick the Chargers? The, I'm going to pick the Chargers. I'm going to pick them probably like 27-21, something that's of that. That's the name. best news I've heard for Ravens well, fans. Yeah. That could be, but keep in mind, as a, a mutual acquaintance of both of ours said, if it's if the, if the spread stays at two and a half, we're in a lot of trouble. Right. If it goes to three, take the Ravens. All right. So, so it stayed at two and a half. So <laughs> right now it's a two. All right. I like or, the – Or actually, the only the only sports book that has it at three is his. <laughs> I like the I like the Ravens tomorrow. Well, I mean, uh, until it's I see until I see somebody actually stop Lamar Jackson, other than Lamar Jackson. Well, now wait a minute. He he ran. He only rushed for sixty two yards in the. Uh, well, by when, or, or when actually, I say actually, I think it was less than that. But when I say stop him, I mean stop the new Ravens offense uh, from a controlling the clock, which I think is hugely important. And listen, I've got my problems with Philip Rivers. I know he's going to be a Hall of Famer. It's just somehow whenever there's a big game, 
I think Philip Rivers comes up smaller uh, rather than larger well. than what he is. And I will say this, that uh, that's one of the reasons I like the game, though, is keeping the ball out of his hands, though. Well, that they have to be able to do that. So yep. for that to happen, the formula has to be the same. Lamar Jackson has got to take care of the football. Absolutely no question essential. about that. Yep. He's got to take You can't put it on the ground uh, like Dixon did out in L.A. when they played the Chargers. And let's face it, I mean, the Chargers were at, what was it, 16-10, I believe, at the time. Yeah. <clears throat> They're driving uh, for the game-tying touchdown or maybe possibly even win the game when uh, Gates fumbled the ball. So we'll see. If you get that number. Yes, All I right. will. All right. Um, all right. So, what? Give me a score that you like tomorrow. So you're picking the Chargers. I didn't hear a score. Twenty-seven, twenty-one. Oh, you gave a score. I gave a score. I was multitasking, which usually which means they're one of the. You, <laughs> no, yeah. no, which no. means you didn't hear a damn thing. <laughs> I didn't thing. hear one word. <laughs> that's all that meant. That's all that uh, meant. That's all that meant. Anyway. Uh, what's the latest with the Caps and the Wizards, who you cover? Well, the Caps the Caps are on a three-game losing streak. They lost back-to-back games here on the road after losing New Year's Day in D.C. 6-3 to the Predators. Uh, but last night, uh, again, they lose 2-1 to one in overtime to the Blues. But the, uh, I'm sorry, to the Stars. But the, the bottom line to me was, uh, you know, playing the second and third period last night. They hold the Blues. I'm sorry. They hold the Stars to two shots in the third period. Right. So I mean, it's it's kind of like Todd Reardon says. If you, you know, how can you not be happy about that? If you play the second and third periods like we played, you're going to win a lot of games. And you know, but give give the Stars credit. They hung on and got the win. Shut the Capitals' offense down a little bit. What and do you think? Uh, what do you think of the new coach, Coach Reardon? I I think he's fine. I think he's taking the system that Barry Trotz had there, refined it a little bit to have his own little stamp on it. Uh, but they they have no problem. I mean, th- this team's going to be there. They'll probably compete for the best record in the league again. And uh, you know, you take your shot in the playoffs when, when, once you get there. But uh, I mean, before this three game losing streak, they had won sixteen of nineteen. Right. So I mean, they're they're playing really good hockey, and there's no real reason to believe uh, that they're not going to go into the playoffs on a good note and playing playing good hockey they've got two very good goaltenders that's what gets you through the playoffs as we saw last year uh even even when the caps were down last year Braden Holtby found a way to pull them back up right. two straight shutouts against Tampa in that series uh game two of the Vegas series in the finals last year I mean a lot of that's Braden Holtby all right uh, Wizards four and seventeen on the road. I on was the road, at lost the, last night. Beside, you know, beside, you know, despite a great game from Bradley Beal, but uh, you know, this is going to be a work in progress the rest of the way. And uh, they've got a tough one coming up uh, tomorrow night, and because they'll be in Oklahoma City to take on uh, the Thunder, and they've never won in OKC. I think they're zero nine. So uh, again, no, they're you, due. You know, they're due. 
they're they're due, yes, but by the same token, they're overdue. They're overdue. Uh, but the you know the other part of it too is stand for this team is that it's a tough deal without John Wall for the rest of the year. It's going to be a tough deal now without Markeith Morris too because he's out for about six weeks. Wow. So and they've Ouch. already and, and they've already lost Dwight Howard. Now the good part about Dwight Howard being out is the fact that you find out about uh, Thomas Bryant, their center, and. Uh, He's coming off a double-double in their last home game. So, um, again, they've got to piece it together. I think this will make uh, uh, Thomas Sadoransky a little bit of a better player because uh, he was a little bit nervous last year when he took over for John Wall. And remember last year when Wall went down, there was a big point of discussion was that the team actually played better initially for a while. Initially for about three weeks they did, but then – Reality kind of set in, well, you know, not having John Wall and what that means. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. Uh, boy, they, uh, how quickly in the last, like, they're kind of like last year when you look at the when you look at the Wizards, last year was a little bit like the 2017 Orioles where started out okay, didn't end as good as you thought, and then the following season it kind of all went to hell in a handbasket. Yeah, it did, and uh, again, I think there's a lot of talent on this team. Uh, when everybody's healthy, uh, are they go- are they going to be Golden State or going to be Houston? No, but in the East, where you can survive if you have a really good team, uh, certainly Milwaukee, Boston fit into that category. You you can compete. But uh, as decimated as they are right now, it's going to be a tough deal for them. All right. Um, Heisty, I don't want to steal all of Brittany Giroli's thunder when mm-hmm. we have her on mm-hmm. 1045-ish, but we got a couple minutes now before we're joined by Joe Tressa. Uh, the news this past week, I know you've been sort of – You've been kind of steady in your belief that the Nats were going to be a part of this Harper uh, thing before it was all said and done. Uh, the old man, Mr. Lerner, not Mark Lerner, Al Lerner, right, went out to Vegas. Ted. Ted, Ted. Ted Lerner went out and met with uh, Bryce Harper and Scott Boris for, what, five hours? Yeah, this happened uh, Saturday before Christmas, and... Uh uh, again, whatever the talks were between both parties, uh, I haven't heard a lot of details about that other than Jim Bowden reporting on MLB Network that it looks like they upped the offer to Harper from the original uh, 10 years, $30 million. But how did they up it is my question. Did they up it dollars-wise? Did they uh, up it length of contract-wise? Uh, did they up it to the to the standpoint that if Bryce signs this deal, he's going to be a national for life? I'm not so convinced of that. I'm looking more, Stan, at a lot of money in a short period of time. So you're thinking maybe like the largest annual average uh uh, salary, salary like forty million for three years, something like that. Three, yeah, three at yeah, one twenty or something. Right, like that. and and if it goes longer than that, I guarantee you there's going to be an opt out in it. Right, uh, and he can test the free agent waters again, probably at twenty nine, yeah. with with certainly the prime of his career ahead of him. Yeah, I, I'll tell you the one thing I, I would I would agree with about that that makes sense for the player. Normally, I understand you want to set the record breaking deal. You want the the security, but let's be honest. If Bryce Harper and Manny Machado gets a, a three year deal at one twenty, or a seven year deal at two forty, or a ten year deal at three fifty, 
they're not those kind of figures don't tell me about my family's security. Well, yeah. Well, he, the the key to it is if you if you sign a ten year deal and you and you don't have an opt out in that. You don't get back on the market again until 36, mm-hmm. at which time you ain't getting bupkis, no, no, probably. No, no, no. You're not going to get any kind of a long-term deal then at that point, no. I mean, unless you're still putting up remarkable numbers. Uh, but but to, to me, with the way the market's gone the last three years in free agency, I just don't think teams are ready to, to bolt on on, on eight Putting to ten, down, year, ten years, right? Yeah. Exactly. What's your estimation as to why the Dodgers haven't really? I mean, Casey Stern, who he's wrong sometimes. I mean, like all of us, but he he had except <laughs> except except you, Craig. Yes, what? Uh, but Casey Stern, the day of the Puig, um, Alex Wood, uh, Matt Kemp trade, said, "Boy, if you're a Dodger fan, it's done." Uh, and and so far. They don't even appear that they're in it. Why aren't they in it even to the three-year level at, you know, $40 million a year? Good question. I You know, you'd have to ask Stan Kasten and and the group out there. Uh, I, you know, to me, once that trade was made, it appeared that that was the perfect fit for Bryce. It's Hollywood. It's, yeah. you know, endorsements. It's playing in the big city. It's an hour and a half away from home for the most part. Uh, I. I've got a, a weird feeling about Andrew Friedman. And, again, I applaud him at, at how he was able to craft a winning team in Tampa for those three or four years before he left. But it seems like he wants to do it on his terms rather than a big market's terms. In other words, the big market teams, they've got the money. Mm-hmm. You know, paying that luxury tax for the Dodgers – to sign Bryce Harper and trying to push his team over the edge uh, to win a World Series to me after they haven't won one since 1988, that seems like that should be paramount. And they've virtually done very little this year but let a couple players go away. Yeah, that's true. And, uh, again, I'm – I mean, what do you think about my supposition that he sort of wants to prove that he's the genius in the room rather than doing sort of the obvious – and getting one of the the big guns. Well, if that's the case, then he's short he's shortchanging the organization that he's working for, and probably going to shortchange himself in the end. And the most interesting team to me of all is the St. Louis Cardinals. They were very strongly in last year mm-hmm. on trying to acquire Giancarlo Stanton, Giancarlo Stanton, right? Which was three fifty. Well, they haven't tried to to play in the Harper market at all. Boy, all of a sudden, if they come into this season with Goldschmidt and Harper added, uh, that's an incredible add, isn't it? It is. Uh, uh, but, uh, but again, you, you still have a month and a half, pretty much, yeah. I think, to try to get something done before spring training. And, and, and you really don't even have to have it done by spring training, yeah. as we've seen over the last two, three years. And that's why a lot of these deals, the long-term deals, the big money deals, aren't getting done. All right. Well, we moved from big deals to small deals. And I'm not talking about our guest, but the team he covers uh, is not going to make any big splashes in the free agent market this year. We are joined by somebody I got a chance to just jaw with for about 90 seconds uh, the day Brandon Hyde was hired. He is the new O's beat writer for MLB.com, and his name is Joe Trezza. Joe, how are you? 
Hey, thanks for having me on, and 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 thanks for saying so. But I am a pretty small deal. So, uh, you, may no be a small, you may be a small deal today, but uh, you're you're going to be enlarging your uh, brand uh, by being here in Baltimore. Uh, you're on with Stan the Fan. I'm the one yapping now, and Craig Heist. Uh, who's been covering Orioles baseball for what thirty years, Craig? Easily, easily thirty years. Joe, tell us, tell our listeners and our viewers on Facebook Live, where have you been? I know you covered the Marlins at one point in time. Is that where you've been up until now? Uh, well, I've been at MLB.com the past the past four seasons in a variety of roles. Um, most recently, I covered the Cardinals last year uh, in 2018. Um, I covered the Mets a few years before that, um, and in the years in between, I had been in New York doing a lot of general assignment reporting, uh, feature writing, stack cast research, game recaps. Um, so you know, where did I see? Of, where did I see you in the? <laughs> I thought uh, I saw well, a Facebook picture or something of you covering the Marlins. Were you just uh, down that, there? That was probably that was probably last year uh, when okay. the Cardinals went down to, to play the Marlins. I had an MLB Network hit. All right. Uh, from Marlins Park, it was about 98 degrees with 25 mile an hour winds, and uh, the roof was open, so it was uh, it was notable <laughs> for me. But we were just there for for a three game set. Uh, you know, I don't know, maybe the 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 Cardinals and the Marlins share a spring training facility, so maybe you saw me down there I, in Jupiter last year. I don't um, know. I saw a picture of you, and it was seem, seeming to cover. It was seeming that it was covering the Marlins. But as as you'll get to know me, I'm not really great on crack research. Oh, oh, you know what? That was probably from a few years ago when I interned at the Miami Herald. Okay, um, gotcha. That was, that was right. before I got to MLB.com, right after college. Um, oh. I did some Marlin stuff, and there just happened to be a photo. All so, right, here, here's so. the big question as we start this thing today. How much money will it take for you to keep Bill Latson out of our hair? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea how to answer that uh, <laughs> at all. Nah, um, Bill. Bill's a great friend, and uh, we, I've known him since uh, he, he since came the Nats from moved to since, Washington. Since the Nats moved from D uh, from Montreal to DC, uh, uh, and and you know we we covered the Nats together for a long period of time. Uh, but that's yeah. all. We, uh, yeah, no, I, I I was with Bill in, in New York the past few years, and he's a big Cardinal fan too. So yeah, I know always, he is. Yeah. Oh, he's a Cardinal he's, fan, too, whoa. in addition to his Yankee fan? Oh, well, yeah, but he used to work in St. Louis. Oh, right, right. He, yeah. he, he's interested in the Cardinals. So <clears> when <throat> I got back from St. Louis, he, he, we would always talk about that. All right. Joe, what um, I, I guess if MLB.com says, hey, you're going to Seattle tomorrow to cover the Mariners or Pittsburgh, you go. But uh, how did this come about? I know we, and ironically, I didn't shave it, uh, shape it this way, but Britt Giroli is going to be on. She, uh, you are succeeding her at MLB.com for Orioles coverage. How did it come about that this uh, uh, they placed you there here in Baltimore? Well, we we just happened to have a few openings, you know, at kind of kind of come open at the same time uh, this winter. There's been a lot of a lot of shuffling around, a lot of moving parts um, in a pretty exciting way. A lot of younger beat writers are a lot of younger writers are getting a chance to. Um, to really to really show what they can do in different markets, um, and given the given the options that I had, um, I more or less picked Baltimore for a few reasons. One, uh, for its proximity uh, to New York, where I'm from. Uh-huh. Um, it's it's you know it's, it's East Coast location, and and three, 
um, I was really fascinated about what was happening with the team. It's not really uh, all that common for you to be able to go into a situation that's essentially starting from what maybe a level that's even below scratch, um, and that's what the Orioles are doing. So I really like the idea of, of covering a, a team literally from the ground up and and just seeing you know what what happens over the next few years and and how the new leadership uh, goes about trying to rebuild this team back into a contender. I thought that was a really fascinating concept. Yeah, it is. If you're if you're going to write a book about the the next five years or something like that, what's it like covering a team that is making so little news though right now? I mean, they did announce this week that Kobe Perez, I think his name is, is going to be the director of international scouting. Uh, but but seriously, they are moving, at, at least insofar as big picture moves, uh, it's really small stuff right now, isn't it? Yeah, but, you know, honestly, from my perspective, every time they add a front office member or they add, you know, somebody to the coaching staff or they add somebody to the analytics department, um, that's a pretty notable transaction. Okay. Um, I, yeah, I, I kind of look at it from the perspective of, like, um, they're not only rebuilding a roster, they're rebuilding an entire organization, an entire infrastructure, an entire framework. And so at this point, when you have a group of players that, you know, the big chunk of them might not even be there in six months, mm-hmm. the people you're covering are the front office people. They yep. are the executives. They're the people putting the pieces of the puzzle together. Um, they're the constants in this equation. So... Um, that's really just the, the, that's the angle that I've been focusing on or trying to because, um, you know, they're the people in place who are going to be making the decisions going forward. And they're, they're kind of, they, they kind of matter a little more than maybe a few transient starting pitchers on one year deals or whatever it might be. Um, that might not, you know, they're not definitely not going to be here for 2022 or 2021, but they might not even be here for 2020. So, um, that's kind of the perspective I've been taking is cover the people involved. Um, as much as the the athletes, Joe. Let me ask you this though, uh, from a, from a fan standpoint and perspective, the losses that amounted last year and kept piling up, uh, 115 it was really really hard to take on a day in day out basis. From that standpoint, you have to go back 30 plus years. We had a season around here where the Orioles were coming off a 107 loss season. And wound up the next year in '89, taking the Toronto Blue Jays right down to the final weekend of the season. It's baseball. Lots of things can happen that people don't expect to happen. And I'm not suggesting that this year can be that type of year. But by the same token, if some of the pieces that they put together can mesh a little bit, you know. They can they can provide the fan base with a little bit of hope and some competitive baseball. Yeah, and I think that's going to really depend on how competitive the front office wants to be. Right. Right. I mean, they they can go into the season with the roster they have right now um, and not care about winning whatsoever. Um, you know, Michael Elias has said they, this is a process that takes no shortcuts. That um, you know, he came from Houston that that dismantled. Um, you know that franchise completely to the point where we never seen um, we we never seen a dismantling like that. Not only in this sport, but probably in any sport. Um, that was before the Seventy Sixers did it in basketball. So um, they don't seem to be the type of executives that would prioritize even short term success at any level if it if it'll hinder their focus 
on long-term success, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, if they fill out the roster a little bit um, and they add some veterans and they, they add two starting pitchers and an outfielder, um, yeah, I could see them being, being fairly competitive, at least more competitive than they were last year. Um, I'm just not sure if, that's, if the front office is going to do that. Um, you would think that they have to add some pieces um, just to just for you know just to to to, to feel the team, um, but they might go into spring training with a bunch of these young guys and say battle it out and let's you know let's see what happens. Um, I really think we're going to get a little clearer picture on that in the next six weeks before spring training. But honestly, the way the free agent market is going at this glacial pace, we might not get more clarity um, as as to their intentions until even closer to opening day. That's a good way to put it. Glacier pace. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're talking with Joe Tressa. Joe is uh, new on the O's beat for MLB.com. Joe, I got a, an off, a little off-the-wall question for you. You were in St. Louis, right? You said covering the Cardinals for a few years? Correct. Was Mike Elias, he was originally with the Cardinals, Correct. That's right. He was an area scout with the Cardinals uh, in the mid to late 2000s before joining their front office, and then he is, went to Houston with Jeff Luno. That's why my question is, is he the guy that went to Houston where the guy that was left behind in St. Louis was ticked off, and I forget his name now, the guy who's probably in prison right now for stealing this, you know, for hacking into the Astros system and all that is is Elias the guy that Lunau took over that guy? Do you know? Uh, it it wasn't so much of a binary one for one type okay. thing. Okay. There was kind of a whole team of okay. Jeff Lunau's that went to that went from the Cardinals to the Astros, and then there was another faction of the front office that stayed in St. Louis. Okay, and this guy um, was pissed that he didn't get hired in in Houston. Uh, Elias was part of the group of executives that went to Houston with. With Jeff, yep, um, and you know they still have friends in the or- in, in the Cardinals organization and back and forth. But um, Chris Correa is is the is the guy you're talking about okay. who was convicted for um, you know for, for basically some spying charges. Yep, um, and he was back in St. Louis, and he was convicted for hacking into someone someone in the Astros system who was a former. Cardinals okay. database. Okay. Um, I don't know how involved Michael Elias. I mean, legally, he wasn't involved at all. So. No, I know that. I just yeah. I thought I had a feeling. It seemed that Correa's thing was sort of a jealousy thing that he wasn't asked to join Elias and uh, asked to join Lunau. And I'm sitting back there. I've been wondering that if Elias was one of the people that was hired over him in Houston by Jeff Lunau. I'm not really. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't. I'm not comfortable commenting because okay. I don't really know the dynamics. That was about. That was about ten years before I before I was there. Okay. To be honest, um, and it's not something that that they talk about all that much in St. Louis I, right now. So, I imagine yeah. so. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Have you had a chance to talk to Sig Meidel at all? And maybe you can just clue us in here in Baltimore how highly he is thought of. Yeah, yeah. Briefly, um, I would like to speak to him more. I'm, I'm interested, and I'm, I'm, I'm excited to do so. Um, but there's a really, really great book um, by Ben Ryder of Sports Illustrated called Astro Ball that came out last year, and it's about how the Astros resurrected, you know, how they broke everything down and resurrected themselves into a, a World Series championship team in a in a span of about five years. 
And that's what the book is about on its surface, but when you dig into the pages, the book is really all about Sig Mido, okay, um, and his background and and the way he approaches things and his propensity for problem solving and um, and the really uh, advanced analytical mind uh, that he brings and how he got into baseball and um, and and really what he brings to a front office. Um, from reading that and from talking to people about him, um, the the value that that Sig brought. To, to the Cardinals originally, um, and this is where him and Michael Elias worked very closely, uh, it had to do with the draft, right? Um, with, with assigning value, with, with, assigning, with assigning metrics to prospects um, and rating them on a value system that didn't previously exist anymore. Okay. And by doing so, almost in the way that we would rate major league players by war or something like that. By doing so, um, the Cardinals grew this reputation of being a team that didn't miss very often on prospects in the draft. So um, they have this one draft, I uh, can't remember exactly which year, with, with Shelby Miller and a few other guys where, where they had more prospects in, where they had more draft picks in the major leagues over a span of two years than any team in baseball, right? So hmm. that's where the value lies. Okay. That's, where the, the, that's where the analytical models were new. And that's where they brought new value. Um, and so it kind of makes sense that Michael Elias would bring SIG over with him when so much of the focus, this, not only this year, but, the, but next year and the year after that, is going to be on the draft. It's going to be on the international scouting market. Um, it's going to be on the farm system. And that's really where, where SIG Mydell has, um, has really gained a reputation of being someone who can, who can help a franchise, and that's in identifying amateur talent Yep. That is not risky, right? As like the 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 draft has long been known as famously been known as this as this risky operation where you don't, it's kind of a crapshoot sometimes. Well, what what Sig Mydell helped do in St. Louis and then with Houston is make it less of a crapshoot, exactly. make it more of a certainty. It's it's interesting though. The thing that you hear about Elias is a lot of people say, "Boy, he's that that." GM that's into the analytics or anything, he, it seems like what Elias is is a scout first, but with a deep understanding and appreciation of the analytics that Sig brings into it, and it's sort of like combining the two. Would you agree that's with that true. assessment? That's true. Yeah, a lot of people look at analytics and scouting as these, you know, separate entities, right? And almost as not even only separate entities, but as sometimes. Um, two entities that go against one another or that fight for some ideological space. And what Michael, what Michael Elias really is, is is the modern blend of both, right? He actually cut his teeth in scouting. He's a former player. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, where he, that's where he cut his teeth. That, 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 that was his first job in baseball. And then he learned um, throughout, when, when he was very young, actually, when he was, it was in, when he was in his early 20s, how to blend data into scouting to make it more, um, reliable, right? Make it more, make, make it m- m- streamline the process. Basically, make it more productive. Um, and then you bring Sig Mydell in, who is really that analytics-heavy philosophy. Um, he's a mathematician. Um, that's the blend that teams are looking for these days. That's the perfect kind of concoction. Um, but yeah, I, I think you're right. A lot of people look at Michael Elias. He comes from Houston. They think, oh, he's a numbers guy. Mm-hmm. Well, he believes very, very heavily in analytics, and he and he believes in data, to be, using data to back up his decisions. But you're right. 
he is a scout at heart and in practice. Well, that that's the positive part about that too, uh, you know, because a lot of times, for for as in tune as you are with analytics, the eye test sometimes gets lost in the shuffle. And uh, I, I still think the eye test is a very valuable part of, of putting a team together. Now, that said... That's sort of what most women have used when they evaluate you. me. Go yeah, ahead. Exactly. Man, that's a long way to go for a cheap joke. <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Let me ask you this. You said, of obviously, like the rest of us who have been at these press conferences, you would have liked more time to talk to Elias yeah. and, you know, all the new people. But just from what we know, from what his background was and taking a 100-loss team and building it into a World Series champion, what, what are you expecting him to do with what you know that's here currently with the Orioles? Well... That's an interesting question because I've been thinking a lot about that lately. And frankly, it looks like he's going to try to do a lot of it in the beginning, at least by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's really fascinating. He's decided not, at this juncture anyway, to hire a scouting director or to hire a director of player development. Um, You know, I can't think of another team in baseball that doesn't have both of those positions filled. Um and that essentially means that it's Mike Elias's show. It's Mike Elias's draft because he doesn't have a point man to lead the draft. It's Mike Elias's farm system. It's Mike Elias's major league team. It's Mike Elias's manager. Um, it's Mike Elias's everything, basically. Um, and that I think is, is really might be a defining moment uh, or, de- or a defining decision of how much success the Euros have three, four, five years down the road, if he doesn't fill those positions, um, then it would essentially give him more responsibility and more unilateral control than any executive in the game. Now, um, he's a first-year GM. You know, if he, this is his first time doing this. He's one of the younger GMs in, in baseball. He has, um, he has a lieutenant in Sigma Dell who has a lot of experience, but it's also the first time that these guys are really running a show. Right. Um, so I thought it was pretty interesting that at this point, he's basically saying, we're going to do this on our own. Has he come um, out in some way, shape, or form and actually said that, Joe? Or because He I, said that yesterday. Oh, he, he did? He said that yesterday okay. um, when we asked about whether or not there's going to be uh, more hires in the front office, and he basically said, we're good right now. He said, we have, we have all the operations and the capabilities in place from a leadership and front office standpoint right now. Um, and... I thought that was fascinating. Um, it is. You know, he, he hired someone in Kobe Fres to lead the international scouting operation, which was which was vital. Mm-hmm. Um, he hired Sig to come in and be his basically his main lieutenant. Um, he still has Brady Anderson, Trip Norton, a few other executives from the old regime. But um, you know, it, it, it kind of seems like it kind of seems like this is it for now. It, um, whether that changes in the summer or so, I, I don't know. But. It was interesting. It was interesting to me, Joe, the day that Brandon Hyde was hired. That Hyde used that phrase about when when he was with the Cubs. We did a lot of teaching and instruction at the big league level, and I, I had never heard a, a manager really kind of quantify that statement the way he did, and then Elias yeah. did in the scrums. And it's interesting that his first two coaching hires are guys with strong player development backgrounds. Yeah, and, and they both have ties to, 
to hide in Chicago as yeah. well. And I think we're going to see more of that. Um, I think that's going to be, especially, you know, with given the late date in the calendar and how so many coaching jobs are so are filled already, you're going to find a lot of members of this new staff are going to have both of those resume points. They're going to be player development guys, maybe having coached too much at the big league level, um, and they're going to have known Brandon Hyde or Michael Elias from somewhere. Um, and, yeah, uh, that that's a big part of Brandon Hyde's uh, background and story, really, is that he spent a year, a year and a half as a front office member overseeing the farm system in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And then he went back to the big league staff, and he really rose with those prospects to the to the major league level. And then he was part of the team that taught them how to win at that level, right? And obviously, eventually, they won on the biggest stage. Um, so I think it's that kind of, like, organic... Um, point A to point B uh, progression that um, made Brandon Hyde, or him being a part of that anyway, uh, made him a very attractive managerial candidate this this winter. You know, he was he was interviewed by five teams, three of them that were rebuilding. So yep. um, he's he's worked alongside some of the most progressive minds in the game. Uh, he's seen a rebuild um, from you know successfully done from point A to point B to point C to all the way to the end. Um, you know, he's seen, he's seen the fruits of, of that labor, uh, bear, you know, on, on, on the biggest stage. So, um, I imagine that's the, and just from hearing him talk, that's the same type of approach they're going to take uh, here in Baltimore. And, uh, to hear them talk about the big league roster, you almost always hear them talk about it in tandem with the AAA roster. They're going to view it basically as one huge team where people, players flow back and forth. Um, so many players are going to have options, um, so many moves are going to be predicated on uh, how can we develop this guy uh, at the best, you know, the best level possible right now. And I think you're going to see a lot of that this year. Hey, Joe, we really appreciate your time this morning, and I love the fact we've got somebody in your position that is so keenly interested and passionate about the, what's going on here and finds it uh, so fascinating. Uh, appreciate the time today. Look forward to getting to know you. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. It was a pleasure. All right. All right. Healthy, I'll happy New Year to you, Joe. All right. You too. All right. There you have Joe Tressa, new Warriors uh, beat writer for MLB.com. Interesting uh, young man there, I thought. Yeah, and, and seems to be very, very astute in terms of uh, the game and knowing some of the background of the people he's going to be covering in a very short period of time. Yeah, I'm really aggravated with myself. That press conference he was talking about, I missed because I forgot, first of all, it's a long story, but I forgot to call in and hear the Kobe Perez press conference. Your Baltimore Ravens are AFC North champs. Tickets are available now for the Ravens home playoff game versus the Chargers tomorrow, Sunday, January 6th at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. That's, again, tickets available for tomorrow's Chargers-Ravens game at BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. Craig, let's tell folks a little bit about Big Bats. All right, over on uh, the Eastern Shore, and uh, that's in Stevensville, Maryland, St. Clair Place. 216 St. Clair Place. There you go. And uh, Big Bats is one of the best local sports bars that you can visit over there because they have great food. They are... uh, Filled with theme rooms over at uh, Big Bats, 
and uh, you can go in there. The Oriole Steam Room is is one of the best around. You'll go in there and see memorabilia from back in 1966, the first year that the Orioles won the World Series. Uh, but Steve Garland and his guys over there do a great job, and uh, it's some of the best grub food you'll ever find. And you can watch all of the games, Caps, Wizards, uh, the playoffs are here now with the NFL. College football's national championship game on Monday night. And, of course, we're just heading into the college basketball season. And, of course, the key thing about the Big Bats, it's the one place you can go in the entire state of Maryland where and you can sit on a... Sit on a base. <laughs> That's Big Bats. <laughs> One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing. And at Steve's Chick-fil-A in Nottingham Square, his folks come around to check on you if you dine in. They refilled my drink for nothing the last time I was there. Do not leave hungry. Top off your next meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square with something sweet. Shakes, cones, and cookies. All done the way you'd expect from Chick-fil-A perfectly. Join Chick-fil-A 1 and score points every time you order for free stuff. Our Chick-fil-A is on Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Pressbox's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Pressbox's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime and he's joined by the NFL chick Sarita Hubbard post-game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Pressbox's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Pressbox Sports. Pressbox's annual Best of Baltimore Sports Double Issue is now available. Presented by Maryland Sports Commission. This issue recognizes UMBC basketball's Ryan Odom and Jarris Lyles as our local sportspersons of the year. Plus 60 more are in the spotlight as we look at the top people, performances, and moments of the year. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. 
score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local turtle. This is former Terp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled Uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com, on SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, back on the bat around and joining us right now is a former Baltimore Orioles beat writer for MLB.com. She's grabbed the golden ring and is now with the Athletic.com, and she covers the Washington Nationals. Brittany Jolie joins us right now. Britt, how are you? Britt, you there? I think the phone line dropped. I will call again. All righty. Thank you. All right. That's great. Yeah, Thanks. but, you know, the the best thing about this is, you know, I've known Britt for as long as she's been on the beat for right. the Orioles. And right. now, I, you know, it's not like she's leaving me. You know, just, you know, she'll be within. I, as a matter of I will see her every day. As a matter of fact, I understand she was up for several other positions mm-hmm. with the, the athletic. And she said, she said no, I, I'll I only go to Washington. Exactly. Yeah. There you go. She wanted equal time with oh. her, her heisty. Joining us right now is <laughs> Brittany Giroli. Britt, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Happy, healthy new year. I need to answer to this question. There's a rumor around that you could have had your choice of several other athletic beats, but you chose Washington because that was the only one that was close by uh, with Craig Heist there. Yes. Yeah, well, the see, you couldn't move to, like, uh, the athletic L.A. When, when I first heard you were leaving, I was distraught. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Thank kiddo? You. I'm good. I'm good. good. Just in the, in the process of moving a little closer to D.C. Yeah. And, uh, Getting ready for spring training. Uh, nor- I haven't been the Northern the Virginia in a while. Northern Virginia? No, it's still going to be Maryland. Oh, say go good, good. More good. like Columbia ish. Yeah, yep, uh, okay. right around that area. All right, See, uh, that, that's what? even closer. To that's me. even closer. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. You, she's you stalking. may want to. You, you may want to rethink Greg. this, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, how, how? First of all, we know it's exciting. But there's also going to be a lot, and I don't mean to mean you're not going to work hard, but there's a lot less writing, apparently, at The Athletic. I mean, there's longer-form stuff, but they don't want every tweet out about this and that and the other thing. They want some deeper stuff. How much of that uh, was what drew you to The Athletic's approach? Oh, that's 100% probably what, what drew me away from MLB was the chance to do um, a little bit deeper dives on stuff, and mm-hmm. you know the beat is such a grind. I did it for nine years, and you know, I loved it. But um, you start to to get these pieces, and you're like, oh, it'd been great if I had the time to do that, or or really explore this instead of worrying about the game. Uh, especially this year when the Orioles were you know out of it by essentially May, um, it just felt like the right time to make that move. It's the end of an era. 
uh, with the Orioles and, and what the athletic is doing uh, with the emphasis on quality. Cool. It's also really scary when you come into it like I did, where mm. you don't really know anyone in the organization, and now you're kind of tasked to write different stuff. Um, but it's a new challenge, and I think if we're if you're not constantly challenging yourself, you're not growing. So uh, I'm pretty excited about it, guys. Also, it would be interesting. I mean, it would be still interesting if you were doing that deeper dive with a team you were familiar with, the Orioles. But how is it to do the deeper dive with a new organization that maybe you're a little bit more familiar with than the Pittsburgh Pirates, but the Nationals, you know, you've never really covered them? No, I haven't. Um, the first thing I did, guys, was look at the roster and realize that uh, I, in fact, knew no players. So, it's been a challenge. Uh, you know, I've leaned on former Orioles. Matt Weeders was terrific um, in kind of helping me, uh, not on the Nationals any longer, but obviously was for the last couple of years. Um, a lot of guys, no guys that are on the Nationals. So that's been helpful as well. And then just being at FanFest, being at the winter meetings, being around the organization and some of the players, you start to get a little feel. But I think it's going to take a little while. It's going to take some spring training you know, some road trips to, to really kind of get your feet on the ground a little bit. The interesting thing, though, is going from an organization, the Orioles, who, you know, were always very judicious in how they spent money, were never really rumored in these top free agents, to a Nationals team that has already made a, a ton of moves even before Christmas time and has no concept or, or no regard for any kind of payroll. They just want to win. So it's, it's interesting because you can't rule them out of anything. And I'm so used to saying, no, that's not true. And with the Nationals, with anything, you know, including Bryce Harper, anything is on the table for them. We're talking with Brittany Giroli, Athletic.com's new Washington Nationals reporter. Well, obviously you step in, Britt, uh, uh, a team that is expected to compete and contend in the NL East, but also uh, between now and the time spring training rolls around, you got the Bryce Harper thing. Uh, and, and I have stated on my station in Washington here at Press Box uh, that I'm certainly of the belief that there was a 50-50 chance that he could come back to the Nationals, and according to recent reports, it may be even higher than that. Uh, what's your take on it right away? Yeah, when you look at Jim Bowden of The Athletic and, and kind of the report uh, that made news uh, really over the weekend, um, about the fact that they had offered him more than we, we had originally thought, more than what the Washington Post had reported was more $300 million. Then you start to, to think, all right, this could happen. Because for a while it looked like perhaps you know, the door was shut. It looked like they had made him a few offers, and, and there really wasn't a whole lot of smoke. And still, as it seems, guys, I'm not certain any of this is true. Um, I think it still might be Scott Boris trying to drive that price up, trying to you know, make sure that there are calculated leaks that kind of get that market going. But I keep thinking to myself, if not D.C., then where? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you really look at some of these bigger markets, maybe uh, the Phillies. I, you know, I know they're meeting with him. I know they're interested in him. It looks like Manny's probably going to New York. Um, I find it hard to believe that the Phillies who wanted to spend stupid money would miss out on both Machado and Harper. But I think it's a, a pretty plausible scenario the way it stands right now. Well, it just seems like... The, they want him back, that the learners don't really care about that luxury tax or not, 
And, you know, it, it does seem like they're probably the favorite as it stands right here, right now. Well, correct me if I'm wrong. I think the luxury tax was only shared by two teams this year, and that was the Nationals and the, and Red, the Red Sox. Sox right. Yes. right. So from that standpoint, I think you're right. But I think the, this goes a little bit deeper than that. Uh, you, you know, the fan base in Washington absolutely loves this guy. You know, from Bryce's standpoint, yeah, there's always the money issue, but this is the only place he's ever known, and I think it's the one place that he feels comfortable with. Not that he wouldn't be in, in somewhere else, but th- this is really the only place he's known. He, he, and I know he thinks that this team can still compete for a championship, and I, I think that's got a lot to do with it. And I'm not saying he's going to sit there and get seven or eight or ten years, but I could certainly, as I told Stan, I could certainly see a three-year deal with a boatload of money to it, and then in three more years he can test the free agent market again. Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting idea because you're kind of looking at some of these deals, right? And and the ten-year deals are just almost never good for the club. And you look at what's happening with free agency now, and teams wanting to stay under the luxury tax and wanting to be more efficient. And, uh, you know, whether whether or not you're a big fan of this long free agency season or not, something needs to be done. I mean, we're in January, guys, and there are tons of free agents, tons of things that need to get settled. So, yeah, I mean, it would be nice if they moved more away from those those crippling Chris Davis type of contracts and into those three- to five-year mega-loaded-up deals because for the next three years, you would assume Harper's going to be in his prime. I think a lot of knock on him has to do with the fact that defensively he played out of position all year um, and really struggled if you look at any of those metrics. And people kind of forget, as you were saying, Craig, he's a, he's a big deal to them. He's yeah. probably the, the only superstar they've ever had. Um, and he, he really embodies who they are. And if he leaves, who is the face? Well, it's who, e- who are the Nationals? Well, it's right. Well, it would be Max Scherzer, number one. And Rendon. Well, Rendon, yeah. But, I mean, Ryan Zimmerman's always been the face of the franchise. Right. It is tough, though, to have a guy pitching every five days be the face of the oh, I You'd totally, rather him be that everyday player. Totally. But I'll tell you one thing you're going to love, or, or from our standpoint as reporters, maybe not love so much. Anthony Rendon is one of the coolest dudes you'll find because he hates talking to the media as a group says if you get him one-on-one brit he's very engaging uh very open but he just does not like Like a lot of publicity and all of his stuff out in the public i've heard that yes i've heard that and max scherzer seems to be a terrific um speaker yes uh, a great media guy as well it looks like it's a good clubhouse it is in my very limited dealings well it's interesting on this show at least we lost chelsea james who's leaving the washington nationals beat with the post to go to politics but we've gained Brittany Giroli. that's right Britt, before we let you go because i did promise to get you out right around 11 or 1101 um one of the the things that is sort of hovered over both the Orioles and the Nationals has been this dispute over Masson. Have you sort of, had you ever spent much time thinking about that or analyzing that and feeling who's right and who's wrong or both sides have a point? Where do you stand on that? So, I mean, that's something that with The Athletic I would love to dive into, right? Yeah. Not something I'll be really encouraged, but... I think when you look at it from the Orioles' point of view, you got it all figured out. Um, and from the Nats' side, it looks like they got a raw deal. Um, just depends on kind of what side of the line you're yeah. on. Because, I mean, very clearly now, 
you know, national fans kind of cry foul and, the, you know, the Orioles are taking money from them. Well, you look at the Nationals' payroll and you look at what the learners have been able to do, as we discussed, the, one of two teams that hit the luxury tax threshold. So money isn't really an issue. Yeah. So how much is this math and deal really impacting the Nationals on the field? It's not. Um, it's impacting lining some pockets for sure. But when you look at these two markets and these two ownership groups and how they've been able to spend money, um, D.C. is not even in the same stratosphere as the Orioles. Now, does that make it fair? No. Um, certainly not a fair deal. But it's fascinating when you look at it and you realize that, you know, Peter Angelos did did the Orioles a solid by getting that approved because on paper it just looks completely ridiculous from D.C.'s side. And, you know, it was the only way they could get a team here, uh, but certainly a very savvy move by Peter Angelos and one that is taking a long time to even kind of semi become undone here because it's just been dragged out as far as I can tell with no real resolution or timeline. Um, imminent at all yeah well you know i get back to the original deal that was done it was the the network and the orioles winning the network deal was to be the payment for allowing the nationals into their territory and it was major league baseball that pulled the stupidity of allowing the nationals to move before having the deal done and then peter had all the leverage right right yeah Yeah. absolutely and again the nationals spend a lot of money so it's not like it's the oakland a's here crying poor exactly you know it's tough to feel bad for the nationals when you look at what they've been able to do payroll wise though they did obviously get a raw deal i just have a feeling all along that bud Seeley gave a wink and a nod to to al lerner and said don't worry we'll handle ted lerner that we'll handle um i'm sorry al lerner happened to be a fairly big figure in baltimore for a long time (laughs) anyway Ted Lerner, and he winked at him and said, we'll take care of Peter Angelos, you know, and Peter was having none of it. Well, listen, I promised to get you off a couple minutes after 11. We appreciate your being on. Best of luck with your new gig. Great. Well, thanks, guys. It was nice chatting with you. All right. We'll do it again sometime. Thanks, Britt. All right. Take care. And that that wink of the eye, yeah, yeah, had to do with taking the All Star game away from. Yeah, well, no, I'm talking about, about like 1990. Uh, excuse me, 2005. I think he said, "Don't worry, we'll handle Peter Angelos." Mm-hmm. I don't think Bud really knew Peter that well when they negotiated that deal. Anyway, we are next up going to join because we're going to take the break after Kevin McElfin. Uh, Kevin McElfin is going to join us. He's the pre- and post-game host on WCNN AM 680 in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And uh, we got to talk to him a little bit about who's going to replace Nick Markakis down there. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, a lot of things that are going on with that team uh – there was. Uh, they've had kind of an. Uh, they've had kind of a Dullsville off season. Kind of, sort of, but uh, this is a team that's got a pretty good farm system. Uh, you had Acuna Jr. win the Rookie of the Year award. Uh, you know, and and from that standpoint, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they piece this team together because they're expected to be better. Uh, the Mets are expected to be better, and certainly the Phillies were the on Phillies the The Phillies are aiming to be better. They're aiming yeah. to be better, and they were right there in the discussion all year long up until the last six weeks of the year, a, a season ago. Yeah. So we'll, we'll wait and see. And joining us on the phone right now is Kevin McAlphin from Braves Radio. 
He is the pre- and post-game uh, host uh, for the broadcast in Atlanta. Kevin, good morning. How are you? Craig, I'm doing well. Happy New Year, pal. And you're on with me and Stan the Fan. Uh, here how are you doing, Craig? Uh, Kevin, how you doing? Appreciate it. I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. I uh, got a quick question for you right off the bat. And uh, we, we here in Baltimore very fond of Nick Markakis, and certainly with the year that he put together last season for the Braves, I think one of the integral reasons, along with Freddie Freeman right in the middle of that lineup, which is what they were, why they were able to accomplish what they accomplished in winning the division. But now he's not – they didn't tender him a contract. Now he's going to be – he is a free agent, still out there. Where do you think is the best landing spot for him? You know, Craig, potentially Atlanta. I mean, he had a tremendous yeah. year here last year. Uh, he's coming off a season where he was a, an all-star. Uh, he won a gold glove. He was a silver slugger winner. And nobody's talking about him. I mean, it, it's funny. You know, he's, he's 34. He'll be 35 this season. I do think Atlanta might be the best opportunity for him when all is said and done. The Braves have not ruled out bringing him back for 2019. I know Nick, talking to some folks close to him, he likes it here in Atlanta. He would like to be back uh, next season. So, you know, we'll see. Look, the Braves are continuing to try to find some ways to, to get some more power uh, from their corner outfield position. Now, they have not completely ruled out the fact that if they can't find a right fielder they like, maybe move Acuna from left to right and go find a corner outfielder that can play left field. That's still an option as well. But I think, you know, when all said and done, I'm not, uh, not going to be surprised at all if we do see Nick Markakis back here. Maybe it's on a one-year deal with an option. Maybe it's a two-year deal. Uh, again, he had a tremendous four months. Things kind of tailed off for him uh, the final two months. But uh, as Alex Anthopoulos has said, he feels like that's a, a product of Nick playing every day. Uh, he's not, you know, in his 20s anymore. So I think if he does come back, they would really, you know, kind of be careful with the playing time. And I would not expect to see him play in all 162 if he is back this season. Kevin, uh, Josh Donaldson signs, and, and our old uh, president of baseball ops here in Baltimore, Andy McPhail, said in free agency there's no such thing as a bad one-year contract. Um, he He's a guy, had health not reared its ugly head, He'd be vying with Bryce Harper and Machado, mm -hmm. even though a little bit older than both of them. A uh, good bit older, actually. But he'd be vying for big, big-time money. But I think the Braves made a good deal here. Uh, what, what evidence do they have to think he's going to be able to stay healthy this year? Well, the big thing is a lot of his trainers from Toronto are now here in Atlanta. So the staff is very familiar with him, and Donaldson – at his introductory press conference, basically credited all those guys, uh, along with Alex Anthopoulos, for his MVP season a few years ago, keeping him on the field, keeping him healthy. Uh, so there's a relationship there. These guys all know each other. Uh, look, the Braves needed power from the right side. If you saw what happened, the offense was averaging about five and a half runs a game the first four and a half months of the season. But in late August and September and then in the postseason, the offense really was kind of stagnant. So uh, they need power. They need it from the right side. They feel like a guy like Donaldson, who's really basically betting on himself this season, he's taking a one-year deal. Uh, you know, he's, he's trying to, you know, round back into form. I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Braves, you know, this was more than just a one-year thing if he proves that he's healthy. So, you know, he's from Auburn. You know, he's from an Alabama guy. He still lives in the South. He, he loves it here. Uh, he grew up a Braves fan. Ron Gant was his favorite player as a kid. Ron actually does TV. He does Fox 5 uh, morning show here in Atlanta. I loved, so. I loved Ron Gant. He was one <laughs> of my favorite players. He, yeah, and you know, like, he, he, I think he was kind of an underrated player when yeah. you look back at, at what he did throughout the course of his career. So I think that, you know, there's a lot of things, you know, playing into this being a good situation for Donaldson. And, again, if he's anything like he was, 
2015, 2016, this can be a huge boost for the Atlanta offense. And I don't think people are giving this move maybe the credit it deserves. Again, if he's healthy, if he can stay on the field, uh, this is a guy that's a complete game changer, can be 30, 35, 40 homers a year. And, uh, you know, I expect to see him hitting right in front of Freddie Freeman. Uh, he'll be hitting second more likely uh, than not, at least to start the season. Uh, but, again, just giving them some thump from the right side. They had they, they were they were really missing that in 2018. Other than Acuna, you're right. Uh, I got What a year. I mean, the, between him and what we got to see with Juan Soto, I mean, that mm-hmm. was that was a very impressive uh, tandem for two different teams in that division. It was, and, and, you know, you guys obviously see Soto a lot closer than we do. We watch him from afar, and we see him, you know, but uh, not 18, 19 times a year. But both these guys, I think what's most impressive about both these young guys is that, you know, you look at their age. They were not overwhelmed by the moment they were in there. They were helping both their teams be contenders. I think the Nationals, I'll be honest, guys, I'm a little surprised they pulled the plug as quick as they did last year. I think if they were able to keep that team together, they could have made a run late in September. Uh, but obviously that's, uh, that, that's a moot point at this point. But uh, both these guys, I think the fact that they are 20, 21 years old, but not overwhelmed by the moment. Heck, you see Acuna with that grand slam against Walker Bueller in, in, uh, in the NLDS. I mean, that's a moment that even though the Braves lost the series, you're going to be watching the highlights of that Grand Slam for years to come. He's a special young talent, and this is, you, you can see really quickly why uh, both the Braves and Nationals didn't want to make either of those guys available in trades. Uh, these are potentially uh, you know, guys that are going to go against each other in this division for a long time. So uh, two special young talents and, and a lot of fun to watch. And I'll be honest, guys, I really enjoy the way Soto plays the game as well. Kevin, one of the things I admire about the Braves is their manager, Brian Snitker. Uh, talk about a lifer, talking mm-hmm. about one guy in one organization for so, so long, and then to finally get his chance to prove what, what his ilk is all about at the major league level. Uh, and then he turns in... Uh, you know, a couple of really good years. It takes over a team that was on the rise and then molds that into a, a division champion. Uh, I think says a lot about him. And, and, and really, you can see the, the respect the players have for him. Well, you can. And I think that goes back, really, and I've known Smith since 2012. He was the, the third base coach for the Braves uh, up until the end of 2013 when he was, and I'm going to use this in quotes, air quotes, he was promoted from uh, third base coach in the big leagues to manager at AAA. I never understood how a move from the big leagues to the minors was a promotion, uh, but I think that after 2013, Brian Snitker probably thought that his opportunity to manage in the big leagues was gone. And, and mm-hmm. you know, he comes up as the interim uh, when the Braves moved on from Freddie Gonzalez back in 2016. Uh, the guys love him. And, you know, you guys are around locker rooms enough to know it's one thing for us in the media to go to a Freddie Freeman, a Jeff Francoeur, a Nick Markakis, you fill in the blank. It's, it's one thing for us to go, hey, do you think Snit should be back next year? You know, do you like playing for him? It's another for Freddie Freeman and other guys to call us over to their lockers at the end of 2016 and essentially campaign for Snit to get the full-time job. Mm-hmm. That's what these guys did for him. And, and they've got a, a ton of respect for him. He's got their back. You saw it when Acuna was plunked by Jose Urania earlier this season. Snit was the first guy out of that dugout. Uh, so I, I think that when you look up players' manager in the dictionary – there's going to be a picture of Brian Sitcher in there someday. He's got a great guy to learn from in Bobby Cox, who's his biggest fan, who's still around the ball club. Uh, you see Skipper in the, in the clubhouse basically every day when we're home uh, here in Atlanta. So those two guys have a really close bond, a great relationship, and, and what better guy to learn you know, the ins and outs of being a manager on a daily basis at the big league level than from a guy who's a Hall of Famer in Bobby Cox. Hey, Kevin, tell us a little bit about uh, 
when when the Orioles, uh, Dave Wallace wanted to leave as pitching coach, and the Orioles didn't hire his top assistant, Dom Chidi, uh, they both ended up back in Atlanta. Uh, what type of role do they both have within the within the organization? Well, they're, they're two well-respected guys, and obviously they've done a lot of work. Uh, they're very familiar with the farm system, with the minor league, you know, with, with the arms that this organization has. You know, we saw in the last two or three years, we've seen uh, waves of these prospects come up, whether it's Louise Gohara, Max Freed, uh, you know, Tuki Toussaint, Bryce Wilson, the list goes on and on and on. Uh, those guys have worked really hard with these young arms in the minors, helping develop this young talent. And there's more waves to come, guys. That's what's most impressive about this Braves rebuild is that they have gone out and they have brought in uh, wave after wave. You have a couple of guys who are going to compete for jobs here this year in spring training. Then you've got a couple of guys at AAA and a double A, even all the way down to rookie ball. You've got, uh, you know, some really highly uh, ranked prospects uh, when it comes to, to young arms. So uh, I think that those two guys have really been instrumental in the development of those guys. Uh, and uh, you're going to continue to see waves upon waves of these prospects as, as we go on. Uh, not saying the Braves aren't going to go out and find a, a frontline starter, whether it's this year, next year, whether you know it's, it's beyond, or whether one of these guys evolves into that, you know, I think we saw some of that from Mike Fulton-Nevich this year. Uh, Sean Newcomb took some big strides forward in, in 2018. So uh, a couple of guys that really have come a long way. But again, with Dave Wallace and Dom Chidi, uh, those are guys that uh, you know they they know everything about this organization. And again, the coaching staff, the front office, they rely heavily on those guys to, to get information and and really find out what. Uh, what what other parts of the organization might be missing about some of these young arms? What did what part did they play in possibly really touting to Alex how much um, Kevin Gausman could help the team and how they could find a way to get more out of him than the Orioles had? Yeah, and I think that was that was a really big uh, you know reason why the Braves did land Gausman and Darren O'Day, who's going to be a huge yeah, win for the right. bullpen here in 2019. It's funny, you know, all, everyone here in Atlanta is saying, oh, they need to get Craig Kimbrell, they need to get a, a good, clo- you know, a big-time closer. Well, hey, I don't think anybody even remembers Darren O'Day's on the roster and he's under contract uh, for 2019. That is going to be a, a big-time arm to add uh, in higher leverage situations. But, yeah, I do think the fact that when they brought Gosman over, uh, they had him work exclusively in the stretch. They kind of ditched the windup, and uh, Kevin felt like that really, you know, was a positive influence on him. So, I think just the use of analytics, you know, the, the advanced information they have. The big thing with Alex Anthopoulos, and this is a huge selling point on him that the players told me about last spring training, is the fact that he involves everyone. He involves his coaching staff. He's very upfront and honest with his players. You come into spring training, you have a one-on-one meeting with Alex where he lets you know exactly where you stand in the organization. If you have no shot of making the team, He's going to tell you that. If you have a lot of work to do, he's going to tell you that. So uh, I think that, uh, again, the fact that he solicits information from everybody involved, uh, that's a, a huge selling point for Alex. And, again, I think you know being able to, to ditch the wind-up this past year and strictly focus mm-hmm. on working from the stretch, I think, was, was a huge lift for Gosman. So he's going to play a big-time role in this rotation here in 2019. Uh, what happened with Brad Brock uh, coming down the stretch last year? Uh uh, you know, we didn't pitch as consistently as certainly we were used to up here. Yeah, and, you know, there was a couple of games, I think, if you if you go back and, and look, he didn't have uh, a couple of plays made him made behind him defensively. Mm-hmm. When you're a reliever like that, that ERA can go up in a hurry when you have, uh, you know, one or two or three bad outings uh, in, a, in a span of a week or two. The thing I love about Brad, and you guys probably saw this a lot more than we did, he owned it. You know, if he went out and blew a save or if he didn't perform, he was one of the first guys in his locker to talk about it. So yeah. I think... 
you know, he wasn't missing as many bats as I think he probably did in Baltimore. Uh, you know, there wasn't as much swing and miss there. And again, there was a handful of outings where, you know, a big time clutch play wasn't made here and there. And I think that's the reason, uh, you know, things kind of spiraled for him. But again, he had some really good outings. And, yeah. and I, that was, a, that was another good pickup for the Braves. It really gave up nothing to get him. So, uh, you can kind of see that, uh, you know, they were looking for a, another veteran to add in the back of the pen. And for the most part, he got the job done. Well, he's one of those guys where, you know, he throws that big heavy sinker and he, he relies on ground balls a lot. And, uh, if you're, if your defense is not up to par, you're absolutely right. That can come back and bite you. Let me ask you this, uh, up here in Washington, we're all wondering where Bryce Harper's going to land, and, and, and I'm a lot like with you with Marquecas, and I've said this on my station, you, you know, almost since the end of the season. Uh, I thought there was a 50-50 chance he comes back, and now reports are saying there's probably a little bit better of a shot at this now that Ted Lerner met with Bryce uh, right before Christmas. Not Al Lerner? No, not Al Lerner, Ted Lerner. Uh, and, and, and so what? what is your general feeling, and what are you hearing? You know, I have thought all along, guys, that he was going to end up in Philly. That's just been my gut, uh, given the fact that the Phillies have said they're going to spend stupid money this offseason. Uh, but, look, you know, you, you got to have uh, – you, you got to have a, the right fit as well, and in, in that ballpark, yeah, he would do some serious damage. Oh, he, short porch. <laughs> it's, it's his best. It's his best away ballpark. Yeah, well, and you can see why. I mean, between there and Yankee Stadium, those are probably the two, and Cincinnati, of course. Yeah, uh, probably would be the, the three best uh, ballparks for him to, to play in in a, in a regular basis. But you know, folks I've talked to in Philly, they felt all along that. They were the front runners. They were going to be the ones that got him. Uh, now, when you hear the Nationals start creeping back in, and it sounds like Bryce is, you know, still, you know, obviously the, the, the city of Washington means so much to him. Uh, that wouldn't be a surprise. I'm not ruling out Philly just yet, but uh, you know they're going to meet. What I guess later this week or next week in the next uh, seven to ten days. Uh, so in look, Philadelphia, yeah, right. The big Bryce, thing is, Bryce is coming to Philadelphia. Bryce thought, yeah, is going to meet with the Phillies. I thought the Phillies were going to see him in Vegas, though. Uh, you just said. Oh, it may, it may be, but they're going to meet. Yeah, with, I know that. Okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, they're going to meet face to face. I guess the big thing is, is that if you're if you're Scott Boris, you're going to get one more dollar more than Giancarlo Stanton got, and you're going to get <laughs> one more dollar a year more than Zach Greinke's got. You're going to get the best. You know, AAV, and you're going to get the highest max deal that anyone's ever seen. Uh, so is it D.C.? Is it Philly? Is it the Dodgers? The Dodgers are an interesting you know, fit as well, obviously, with the trade of, of Kemp and Puig. Uh, they're kind of uh, getting rid of some of that surplus of outfielders. Bryce Harper, Hollywood, there seems to be a fit there as well, a lot closer to home. Uh, but I think right now, you know, the fact that the Nationals have creeped back in this conversation, I think that's really interesting if you're a, a fan in the nation's capital. Kevin McAlvin, we really appreciate your being on with us from AM680 in Atlanta. You host the pre- and post-game shows on the Atlanta Braves radio network. Really appreciate the time. And he bails me out constantly when he's in Washington. <laughs> <Does he really? laughs> well, hey, Craig, you've helped me out a time or two over the years, too, so I always appreciate your help. <laughs> we'll see you when the season gets here, Mal. All right. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks, fellas. Happy New Year. All right. We're going to take a time out. we got to tell folks again about – the fact that your Baltimore Ravens are NFC North champs and that tickets are available now for the Ravens home playoff game versus the Chargers tomorrow, Sunday, January the 6th. They're available by going to at to, to go to BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. That's BaltimoreRavens.com slash tickets. Craig, uh, you were there New Year's Eve? Did you get to the Costas Inn? I was in there New Year's Eve. I was in there last sing? night with a Rat Pack. Absolutely. Did you sing? 
What'd you sing? Uh, Born to Run. Born to Run. Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. What kind of crowd they have there at the Costas? Uh, Mob? Still, still, still pretty good at 2 in the morning. <laughs> still pretty good at 2 in the morning. All right. Uh, Rick Oliger and the Rat Pack put on a great show. They did again last night. Uh, Costas in 4100 North Point Boulevard. All the best food that you could ever want in the Baltimore area. Specials throughout the week. Crab cake night on Monday. Rib night on Tuesday. Uh, steak night, Stan's favorite on Wednesday, and then Stan's wife, Jane, her favorite is Thursday for lobster night. And you can get that regular or you can get it stuffed with crab imperial. And I just want to say something. Uh, the first time I've ever used Costison, we decided to do our holiday office party uh-huh. in the office this uh-huh. time. And we we bought a lot of food from Costas. They supplied it. It was all really, really good. Lasagna, meatballs, crab balls, the dip, the crab dip. Uh, they, they got it all there for you at the Costas Inn, and they do house parties, I mean, where you order in and pick up, or they'll, I guess they deliver as well. And you can ship those world-famous crab cakes and also uh, crabs, steamed crabs, anywhere in the country? Just call them, 410-477-1975. It's one of our favorite places and uh, we love the Triantafilos family. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Chick-fil-A on Sundays? With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays. They're perfect for tailgating, birthdays, or office parties. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. KZ, Sari, the NFL chick, KO from the PressBox Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to PressBoxOnline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer. The, the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Yeah, not really. Tennis? No. Nope. Rugby? Nope. No? Just no. football. Just NFL football. football. College, College football. College football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. 
Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime and post-game for every Baltimore football game. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, post-game. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all of the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill. Great food, good sports. Press Box's Project Game Day. Facebook.com slash Sports. Hi, it's Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer from Glenn Clark Radio. We're going to be talking a lot of Lamar Jackson on our show, but I want to make a promise right now. For those of you that tune in to Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday from 10 to noon, we will talk about something unrelated to Lamar Jackson for at least 30 solid seconds every day. Kyle, I thought maybe we should give people an idea of some of the topics that we might discuss other than Lamar Jackson. For example, we might talk about Chick-fil-A sauce. Aliens. The television program Detroiters. Jesus stealing pizza. All these things are options for 30 solid seconds, and then we'll go right back to Lamar Jackson. GlennClarkRadio.com, PressBoxOnline.com slash radio, and watch the show Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. All right, uh, we are back on the bat around, and a little bit of an unscheduled guest appearance today, but we had a few minutes where we were going to kick around just some other baseball topics. Rather than do that, it popped up that uh, today is the birthday of somebody that we are pretty fond of. Uh, and pretty proud you? of at yeah. the same time. Well, I wouldn't say I'm proud of him. Um, no, I am. I'm pretty I'm fond of him. Definitely yeah. proud of him. Well, he's provided a lot of service for this nation. Yes, he and, has. And uh, that's why we are proud of him. Yes, we are. And he's a good friend. He provided a lot of service for sports fans, too. I'm not making light of that term, service. But he's our friend Casey Willett, who uh, worked in the sports media world here in Baltimore for what? 12, 13 years, 12, 13 Casey? years. Yeah. yeah I'm thinking it was about you know, probably roughly 12. Yep. And uh, clearly your fondest time was going around traveling with the Baltimore Orioles. Well, I don't know. I, it, it was a tie stand between that and uh, sitting a next of to Craig in Detroit at the Super Bowl with Craig Heiss. There you go. See, there's, uh, we had a good time that week. <laughs> that was a, yeah, that was a fun week. What was it like? Si- that, what was it like? Pending, but. What was it like sitting next to Craig Heist though all those all those nights? Well, um, yeah, it was very memorable. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, that's what it was. That's it what was it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, how many birthdays is this now? Today is your birthday. Yeah, uh, today is uh, forty-two. Forty-two. There you go, Jackie yeah, Robinson. No. Man, you, know, you are yeah, just a kid. I'll tell you what the best part, seriously, about yeah. being with Casey during the Super Bowl. Radio Row, <clears throat> coming to and from press conferences, and then sitting there together, him for his station, me for all the network stuff, and putting all that stuff together. <laughs> uh, it, it's funny, Craig. I was just uh, was thinking about a picture, and I have it somewhere here in my house. I have to find it, but it's a picture, and I think Ray Bachman took it of me and you uh, sit beside each other, and we were editing mini disc, yeah, know, making the little marks of you know when I don't even remember what was that. I guess that would have been Pittsburgh and Seattle. Pitts- Pittsburgh, year. Seattle, yeah. Um, that was that was Big Ben's first one. Yeah, so it was it was funny. I just came across that picture not too long ago, and I was like, wow. Remember, you know, you thought mini discs were going to be the 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 wave of the thing. future, yeah, yeah, and that lasted for about two years. It seemed, and yeah. then then it was gone. We're talking with Casey Willett. And, Casey, what, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now. 
Yeah, so... Um, and where you're doing, you're in Tennessee, right? Yeah, I am. So I actually live in a little town. Uh, it's becoming a bigger town now, but right outside of Chattanooga, Tennessee. So uh, you know, I'm about, from my house, is roughly uh, two hours to Nashville, two hours to Atlanta. Um, so it's, you know, almost reminds me a little bit of, you know, in Baltimore, you can get to New York and Philadelphia and D.C. pretty easily. But uh, I also went back to work. So for, as most people know, I... Uh, and you mentioned that I'm sixty, or I'm sorry, I'm eighty percent disabled uh, from my time in the military. And so after baseball, I took a couple of years off. In uh, September, I think was my first month. I went, I uh, got hired by the uh, Veterans Affairs. Um, so I work back with the government again here at a uh, clinic in Chattanooga, uh, taking care of veterans. And so that's been that's been a fun thing to get back and you know be around you know sort of those. The people, my people, you know, from the military side of the world. Um, Casey, how much of it? I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I got to ask: how much of it, an assist, is it to to servicemen that are coming back with issues when they're helped by somebody who's got some of those same issues? No, it means a lot, you know, and and it's uh, that's a big draw that you know I think it's one of those connections, and and probably you know similar stand to you know. Being on a being on a beat or you know in the sports world, you know what that person is going through. You know, in the sports world, for instance, say you know you and Craig know what it's like to be at the ballpark till two o'clock in the morning. And, yep. No, Stan you know, doesn't know. <laughs> uh, I know from my early days in my yeah, career. Yeah. You know, and have to you know and and be chasing a story down and on the phone. Um, you know, making phone calls to try to find out if something has substance or not, and. It's the same way, you know, you, you get guys, um, and I work in the business department, so get, dealing with getting patients registered and checked in, but it's it's interesting, you know, we have things that identify what branch of the military, where were you in, and almost instantly it's a where were you, you know, conversation, and, yep. you know, what unit were you with, and uh, you do notice, you know, and I work with some great people who are just you know, normal civilians and we're not a part of the military, but you do notice that guys will open up to you more or will trust you more um, if they know you've kind of been through the same battles that they have. I just want to ask you a question, and I'm assuming you've had a good relationship with them, but you're you're now back working in veteran affairs with the government, but right. an organization that I feel fortunate that I introduced you to called uh, Catch-A-Lift, yeah. Uh, you've been affiliated or working with them, and I don't mean working like you're working for them, right. but tell us a little bit about your thoughts on an organization such as Catch-A-Lift. Yeah, it's been awesome. Uh, and so they you know, got me uh, connected with a uh, CrossFit place here and that I had had a, you know earlier connection with. Um, and, you know, and I think, you know, Stan, I think a lot of places anytime – you know, they hear anything veteran-related. People still have the, you know, the scandal that went on with the Wounded Warriors yeah. a couple of years ago. Um, so I think some places are leery. And, and I, you know, you hate to say this, but yep. th- there are so many places that will take advantage of you. Well, we do stuff for veterans. And it's yep. like, well, you really don't. You know, it's just kind of the catch-all thing. Um, but, yeah, they, um, you know, paid for a, a, a year gym membership there. No questions asked. Um, and... You know, the, the place here, they never questioned anything. They immediately said, we'll do all the legwork to make sure everything gets taken care of. And so it, it's been really amazing. 
you know, to see. And I've had people come up to me and ask me, you know, like the shirt, like, what, what does that mean? You know, what is that about? And, yeah. Um, you know, and I can't, because of some, you know, limits uh, physically, I can't do what a lot of the other guys do. But, you know, they sort of almost a military mindset. They treat me, you know, as a part of the tr- the group and, and welcome me in. You know, there's never a question about, you know, hey, well, you know, you're not paying full price for this. Or yeah. You're not supposed to be getting that. It's, you know, I, you, you really feel like a part of the team there, and it's been an awesome experience. Well, it's a great team, and Lynn Coughlin, whose brother Chris was killed in Afghanistan after right. about six weeks uh, stationed there, uh, she started this organization based on his use of the phrase, I'm going to catch a lift, meaning right. he was going to work out at a gym and they donate, uh, out of every dollar they raise, they're in the 92, 93 cents of it, goes back to what its mission is, rather than going into lining anybody's pockets. Uh, one quick anecdote before we let you go, Case. Um, I don't know if you've driven over the bridge. If you if you go out Delaney Valley Road, uh-huh. uh, and you know where you, you go north on Delaney Valley Road, there's a bridge you go across that crosses right. the dam, um, the Lock Raven Reservoir. Uh, it's been named after Chris Coughlin about a month ago. Yeah, I saw that. Um, we're friends on Facebook, and I saw where they had the ceremony, and I thought that was really, you know, it was re- it's, it's awesome and it's sad at the same time. Yep. You know, that you drive around now, and uh, you see these roads that are named after, yep. you know, and young, you know, if you, a lot of times you see a rank and you know, okay, that's, that was a young guy, you yep. know, that was, you know, 20, 30, sometimes, you know, 18, 19 years old, but... Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's awesome, and I think it's the least that, you know, can be done for people, and, and especially for, you know, a family that's having his legacy is impacting, you know, so many other people. All right, well, we just wanted to wish you a happy birthday, Casey, today. Well, I'm wondering why Craig Heiss hasn't sent me, you know, these crab cakes from the Costas Inn for my birthday. I'm really starting to question See, my so all this do, All this does is prove that he <laughs> listens and watches the stream. That's true. Which, right? is, you know, which, is what, which is what we want anyway. I'll tell you yeah. what, you, you, email, you email Craig an address. Yeah. And we will take care of uh, getting, getting you a getting few you, of those. All how, right? how many crab cakes you want? Two, three? So let's get six. Yeah, whatever. Let's get no, six. No, I watch you guys all the time. I watch you guys. I watch Glenn, Ken. I, yeah, I, okay, frequent, good. Frequent viewers. Well, just well, remember. We're going to get you at least a half a dozen crab cakes, all right? <laughs> just remember, 42 is the new 52. <laughs> well, what if I feel 52? Well, that's okay. Well, then it might be the new 62. <laughs> all right. Hey. You know what? Like Art Modell once said, I feel like 18 years old, and I'm going to go look for one. <laughs> that's right. That's right. That's right. That's art. I remember that. I remember that story specifically. David Modell told it to me. He was yep. in. A, he had been in a coma for right. like a long time with his blood infection. Right. And he and all of a sudden they were all around him, and he he his eyes rolled, and David says, "Poppy, you're with us." He goes, "I feel like an 18 year old." And there was like this pause, and everybody, "What? What are you?" And he says, "Do you know where I can find me?" <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yep. Hey, Case, happy birthday to you. All right, guys. Thanks. Take care. We think about you often, Case. Uh, thanks. I, I always keep up with you guys, too. All right. Take care. See ya. There you go. Casey Willett. Saw that thing come across. That's one of the great things about Facebook, when you can keep, yeah, keep in touch, keep with, in touch people. with people. Well, you know what? He he was there at at Nestor Station, WNST, yep. when, uh, 
when we were covering the Orioles together, and then you know, then I'm thinking when he leaves, I'm thinking about you know, then he goes to cover, uh, or he goes to be the engineer with the Orioles, and I'm thinking, well, who are they going to get? And it turns out that Luke Jones has been just oh, as he's good. a rock yeah, solid. He's guy, a rock yeah. solid. Guy. Yeah, yeah, very good, very good. Uh, we are uh, not going to take a timeout. You're going to talk for a minute, and I'm going to invite Josh Soroka in here. Why don't He's you do, do the that. rest of the show? Why don't you do that? All right, uh, here at Press Box, and uh, this is the bat around, and a lot of things uh, going to happen between now and uh, the time that, uh, say, the end of February rolls around with free agency. How long will it take uh, for these uh, free agents that are out there, and there are a ton of them, uh, to be signed to find homes? Uh, certainly Bryce Harper and Manny Machado being the big two names out there. Uh, what kind of dollars will they, uh, uh, will, will they be looking for? We know big money contracts, but just how long is the terms of that contract going to be for each player? It's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, coming down the stretch as we head towards spring training. All right. Hey, joining us now, as you can see him making his way onto a camera uh, angle here, is Section 336's esteemed leader. Is it fair to call you the esteemed leader, Section 336? Uh, I, I don't think Matt would like that. But How about I, Bert? I don't think Bert cares. Okay. Matt, Matt likes to call himself <laughs> the leader, but right, I well, end up... Well, 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 I a, close follower, a close follower? A close follower? I do all the work. He right. he just puts his name as the leader. Don't his you name. hate? Don't it, you hate that when you do all the work right. and others get the credit for it? You know? Kind of like here. Kind of, you're right, it's exactly. A, uh, where Brittany does all the work and you and I both receive all the credit. But Josh Soroka is the guy from Section 336. I like I like the way you manage to you know yeah we skin, like skin by on that yeah. Right. Um, and Josh, you helped us design this studio. Yeah, uh, I think it's been a few years now, but uh, yeah, put it together downstairs when it was a much larger room yep and then i yeah i moved it all up here rewired it so yeah it seems like it's still working and holding up it we, is we like it the fact yeah, that we're is. able to come in here glenn every morning at 10 o'clock and us on the glenn weekend. does his things yeah. uh five days a week yep. monday through friday 10 to 12 and uh and uh ken Zales sundays uh and josh joins us now to talk a little birds um, we had Joe Tressel on. Joe is a new – he'd be an interesting right. guy for you guys to have on. By yeah, the way. I heard him on the drive up here. I, I don't know anything about the Marlins or the uh, jealous guy in, in St. Louis. But, but, yeah, it was the first time I've heard Joe uh, since he's came to Baltimore. So that was interesting. And I think he's spot on with uh, it's a great time to get in and start covering the birds. And it's interesting how interested he was in the big picture to see it start at it at like sort of ground well, level. It's like an, a a ten story, twenty story building starting at the ground level. He's got to be planning a book. It's got to be. Uh, <laughs> let let me get in at the ground floor, so then I'm the guy that can write the book in the end. Bird ball, bird ball. I mean, whatever. Uh, yeah, Astro, I haven't read Astro Ball yet. I've heard so much about it it's probably going to be my vacation read in a few weeks yep but uh yeah someone's gonna if the if elias can really turn this team around someone's gonna write a book and uh, it seems like joe's trying to get in on the ground floor get that going yeah and uh you know you never know how it's gonna work out as i was saying earlier you know you, you go back to nine uh, 89 with the why not year yep you know, the year before that, it was a 107 loss season. I'm not going to say this season's turning into the why not year. Right, baseball's but, different. 
Yeah, but nonetheless, it was baseball in 89, too. Yes. So, I, I mean, I'm not saying that this is going to turn into 89, but if, depending on who's part of this roster, what kind of pitching you get, how it all meshes as a team, uh, you know, maybe some good things can happen, and it's not going to be a 100-loss season. Right. 80, 89 season was uh, – for me, was very defining in my Oriole fandom because I was nine years old that year. So it was right when I was getting into baseball, and the Orioles were horrible in '88. So then to have that year like '89 is a year I'll always remember as an Oriole fan. Uh, but I think baseball has changed since then. Scouting departments have changed. Oh sure. And I think there's even like a I think even the coverage of teams have changed where. Uh, I think there'd be more talk of, hey, the Orioles might be good this year if it was covering that. But you still see that in teams like the Phillies and the Braves who peak earlier than, or not peak, but get better earlier than people expect. Well, yeah, it's funny because Frank Robinson that year, <laughs> after Cal Sr. gets fired after six games, <laughs> they're, they're in about 0-15, 0-16, and, and, and Frank looks over at us all and says, well, I guess I'm the next one to go. <laughs> Frank had a good sense of humor. Yes, he did. And he needed one. We'll, we'll find out pretty early in this season whether Brandon Hyde has a uh, sense of humor or not. Um, it's been interesting, though, to watch that they they bring in Sig Meidel, uh, who's clearly one of the real true gurus of the analytics, baseball analytics. That's what they all say. And now they bring in a guy who is clearly one of the top, you know, I won't say he's exactly level to SIG, but Kobe Perez, very well um, respected guy in the Latin American area. Yeah, and it's a great guy to bring in, and it's just glad to, nice to bring a guy in for international scouting. We haven't looked at that. Uh, is it Venezuela that we've never brought in a, a, never drafted anyone from Venezuela, and they're like, when you look at the countries, they're like number three for baseball players. So just having a guy out there working, the fact that we're going to sign some international guys that we've already signed a few this offseason, not huge names, but it's still from zero to something is great. You know, it's interesting. This goes back to when I was first. Do you remember a guy, very heavy set guy, John McCall, who worked for the Orioles back in the 80s? He no, was at I one don't. time he was a farm director. No, uh, I, under I started I started the Oriole beat at the begin. Well, I mean, covering home games. Like uh, no, no, no. Eighty eight was 88. Yeah, the zero and twenty one. This start. would have been eighty four, eighty five. Tom Giordano. I, I think he worked in the office in some other capacity. And Tom Giordano said, "Hey, you're going to be the farm director." Okay. And I had this guy on and talked to him about international scouting back then. And I said, "But how come the Orioles aren't?" And he gave me some kind of cockamamie reason that we couldn't sign players or something. I don't know where it came from, but it's it goes back that far that the Orioles were always at the tail end of Major League Baseball in trying to, to sign international players. Right. There, I mean, there's. it's been clear that even just in the Angeles era that he doesn't want to – hasn't in the past been wanting to spend money internationally right. and give uh, unproven talent money. Uh, was it South Korea that we even got banned from, from going and viewing baseball players? Yeah. Uh, because the Orioles just handled things so wrong and um, that – the foreign baseball players up to this point, they wouldn't even really care to talk to the Orioles because they weren't going to get any money. Yeah. Well, it was Andy McPhail who brought in Koji Uehara 
And then when Dan Duquette came, he brought in um, uh, Yunsu Kim, and he signed the other guy whose name uh, the pitcher. Chen. We and Chen. Or uh, you no, know, Duquette signed Wee and Chen, okay. but uh, but then he signed Yunsu Kim, the outfielder. All right. But they quickly after Chen. They got, uh, yeah. I forget the guy's name, he was like 19 or right. 18, right. and Didn't he lasted about six months with the team, and they allowed him to give them some money back to get... To go home, yes. Yeah. I do remember that. I, I'm blanking Suk on the Yun, name. Suk Yun Min or something like that. You remember who I'm uh, talking about? I'll let you guess on the name. No. Yeah. I mean, he's... Yeah. You know, no, but I, yeah, just, it, I can't it, remember they, the guy's name. But yeah, they <laughs> haven't had success, so it'll be uh, fun to see... What comes of all of this? We've we've talked a whole show, nearly two hours on this, and neither of us have mentioned, and you haven't in five minutes, uh, neither of us have mentioned uh, Adam Jones at all. Mm -hmm. uh, he's still out there. It's funny, when McCutcheon, Andrew McCutcheon, got that huge contract from the Phillies, $53 million right. guaranteed over three-plus seasons, uh, I said, boy, the happiest guy around's got to be Adam Jones because he's going to get paid. And then quickly, it, I, I started to do a comparison. Andrew McCutcheon still had an on-base percentage this year with the Yankees. He was over 400 for the season. It was like 368, and his career is about 360. Adam's right. 315, 314 for the career. It looks like Adam, wherever he goes, is going to have to swallow hard and take like a one-year, five or six million dollar deal. Doesn't it seem that well, way? Well, then the more free agency continues to be doing what it's doing, like it has the last three, four years, I would say that's probably yeah. accurate. Yeah, there's a problem with baseball free agency right now, and I'm not sure exactly how you fix it, and the players' union doesn't want it fixed necessarily, so... But because of that, it leaves these uh, middle-of-the-road players kind of just sitting out there where no one wants to invest the money. But until, like, last minute, I think we're going to see these guys sign in February, uh, maybe even early March after camp start for some of these veterans. So here's, here's my question about Adam. And, Craig, you've known him for 11 years mm -hmm. since, uh, since he came to Baltimore. I've known him that long. He, he clearly had the right that the Players Association bargained for to turn down trades to the Philadelphia Phillies. But when you look at what ended up transpiring, it sure looks sort of silly for him to have turned down the trade to the Phillies because he had the chance to I, – I don't think he read the tea leaves right about Mr. A sort of falling off to the side, John and Lou and a new regime taking over – how sort of unimportant his position is on that team right now versus having gone over to the Phillies July 31st right. Prove and himself. sort of proven himself a little bit, helped them, he might have gotten a three-year $30 million or $40 million deal. All, yes. all of that is true, but I will say this. Yeah. And that is he may have misread the tea leaves in terms of what could be available to him right. by staying, but – there were certain reasons why he stayed, family-related more than anything, I think, uh, if, if we go back and look at what was written in the stories right. and the quotes. But the other part of this is I, I think that he feels, though, in his heart 
that he would get a two or three year lead, and that's probably the part of the tea leaf thing that you're asking. Yeah. But why? Why is it? And of course, I'm not Mike Elias. But why is it? And why wouldn't he be a fit still here? From the standpoint of his veteran leadership and being able to mentor younger players, I, I, I think th- it still boils. Well, well, Josh, let's say let's let's you, you got to look at. Yeah, this team needs a veteran presence. Sure, but you got to look at where we could need it. We've got. I think we've got a bunch of young, upcoming outfielders that we want to get on the field and play. Well, I don't expect I, him to play center field, but I mean, no. certainly. One of the corner positions, you know. Right, but then we've got other corner guys we want to see, like DJ Stewart and mm-hmm. Austin Hayes. And we still got Joey Rickard, I believe, sitting there that's got to prove whether or not he can make it. you still got to fit Trey Mancini onto the field somehow. Uh, so, I, yes, they need veteran leadership, but I think it's going to come in the infield side, I've, not the outfield. I've felt all along that if Adam Jones is sitting there and it's February 10th or 14th, and he has no contract, and and his agent reaches out to the Orioles and is willing to take like a one-year, $4 million contract, I think Adam Jones could end up in Oriole. I don't think they were going to get into the mode of giving him a three-year, $30 million right. deal. They just don't think it makes a lot of sense. Well, and again, that, that all depends on how – Elias and the Brain Trust feel this organization is moving and how fast it can get to where they want to go. My point, though, about that is it's it's a rare individual, and Adam is a rare individual in a lot of ways, but I remember when Rick Dempsey, the Orioles offered Dempsey a chance to play and a certain amount of money. The Indians offered him virtually the same amount of money, and he took it in Cleveland when he first left the Orioles because he could swallow it better somewhere else than going back and being bitter that they're not paying me $10 million Mm -hmm, a mm -hmm. year. So I think that the organization is sitting there, and if his agent says, hey, my client wants to come back, he's willing to play for $4.2 million, I still think there could be a reunion. I I think on the Adam Jones side, I think he'd love that. I think... What we're leaving out of it is... I think the McCutcheon contract makes that awfully hard to swallow. uh, I think his kids being in school here and young kids makes it a lot easier to swallow. But I think what we're leaving off of this is when Adam made that decision to not get traded, that was with the Duquette regime. We all thought that either Duquette or Buck, one of these guys, was going to make it through. Right. And the fact that they cleaned house of everyone means there's no connection left for Adam Jones. Right. I think we saw that when... um, when the twins dumped scope and that there was no uh or i guess the brewers Brewers. twins signed scope yeah but uh, i think when we saw scope out there the fact that there was no there was no even thought of it it seemed like from the orioles to even look at him where as oriole fans we fell in love with scope and the players love scope i think you'll see the same from adam jones and yes there's that veteran presence yes there's that connection where the fans would love him back and adam would probably like to be back but with Mike Elias and uh, Sig, there's no connection there. Yeah, they're, and they're, they're, a job like theirs needs to be at this point in time somewhat cold-hearted. You know, they can't get caught up in sentimentality. Right. They've got to get caught up in, and in my opinion, it's one of the reasons I thought all along, and I've talked to some veteran people like Tom Davis and Mel Anton like a month ago, they were of the opinion that they were going to round out this roster with three or four five million dollar guys 
and I didn't see it. I, I, see, I don't see that either. I see this as a year where you find out, and I'm not saying necessarily day one, but you find out if Chance Cisco, DJ Stewart, Austin Hayes, maybe one of the pitchers, D.L. Hall, or one of the guys close, uh, Josh Rogers, whether these guys can be part of the the next group right. forward or whether they're still part of the problem and we got to move on from them as well. I agree. I have concerns about the pitchers if you don't bring in if you don't bring in a veteran catcher how does that impact the pitchers if you don't bring in a great shortstop defensively how does that impact the pitchers so I've got concerns there where I think you do want to bring in some veteran presence but at the same time I look at when Houston started this rebuild they cut their payroll to a ridiculous amount that I think Chris Davis would be the only guy left if we cut to that amount right so I See, I have no idea what Michael Elias is going to do. It's it's a watch and see. I, well, it'll th- be interesting to see what happens. Uh, like like he said about getting a shortstop. I, I, that's I, the one air, the one position I would spend like two years, fourteen million for somebody like Jose Iglesias, or I'd give Echeverria a one year, three million dollar deal. Somebody that can solidify yeah. the position. Did I Adani Echeverria? Took him three years, but he's finally got it. <laughs> no, I was no. preparing for no. when he became an <laughs> Oriole. No, but here's the thing: with what are they going to do in that middle infield? A lot of it's, you, you, I'm you hear a lot of like Villar. I think VR I think VR is going to go to shortstop eventually because he's got the I'm arm. Here and more second base. I think it's I'm wherever they can get a veteran presence. Yeah. yeah. Second, by the way, the team. Uh, by the way, the Elias regime officially. Did, uh, Disassociated itself with uh, Bravik Valera yesterday. They assigned, uh, okay, put him on, designated him for assignment. That, that's too bad. I enjoyed his name. I was looking forward <laughs> to to seeing some uh, nice yeah. giveaways with him in the Orioles uniforms. You wanted that Valera bobblehead, right? Yeah. Right, exactly. All right, this is Josh Soroka, section three thirty six. Craig Heist is, of course, with us. We got about five more minutes, or three or four more minutes on the show. Uh, Josh, you're also a football fan, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, Ravens fan. Big weekend. What's going to happen tomorrow? I I think it's tough. We did our picks a couple of days ago, and I wrote out my picks in both ways because I couldn't decide until as we were recording it, and I had to pick someone. So I'm going with the Ravens. I think I think we saw Philip Rivers two weeks ago get all shaken up, and Eric Weddle get completely in his head. I think Rivers has thrown a bunch of interceptions in the past three weeks especially on the first drive. I think he's turned over the ball the past three weeks on the first time he's had possession. So I think, again, the Ravens get in his head. I think he's four and five career in postseason. He's oh, clearly going to yeah. make the Hall of Fame. He's thrown for he, 54. He's in the talk. 54,000 uh, yards. But in the, in the playoffs, 11 touchdowns, nine interceptions right. in nine games. And I think he's going to be – I think the Ravens embarrassed him two weeks ago. So he's going to be trying – too much, and I think he's going to overdo it. Um, but I do. I like watching Rivers play because I like him whining. I like I like how much he, he whines. He's a whiner, it, and it makes entertaining television. It's like the Craig Heist of NFL quarterbacks, you know. Yeah. I don't know. Craig Heist hasn't taken off his headphones yet and thrown them on the ground. So <laughs> he did whine if, a lot if, in that. Ravens if he keeps game. talking, you may see it before we get out of right. here. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think. As my, everyone wants to make the story about Lamar Jackson, but the story is the Ravens' defense. And the defense, is, it's health also. The entire team is healthy. I don't think we've seen a team this healthy in a while in Baltimore. 
Well, I love the fact that this defense, since Lamar Jackson has taken over, I'll bet in what's he six and one, so it's seven yeah. games. Yep. I'll bet in those seven games, they've roughly had to be on the field for ninety less plays than they would have been had you know fifteen, yeah. sixteen a game. You know, and yeah. I think that's huge yeah. that that defense is on the field less than it was. It's very interesting to watch. The other thing that they're doing is they are rotating guys on and off the field constantly, which is, again, resting guys, and it's all about rest. All right. Mm-hmm. So what's your score tomorrow? Uh, 27-24 Ravens. Okay. I'm 23-16 Ravens. I'm 27-21 Chargers. Wow. Dispassionate. Very dispassionate. Uh, it's very tempting to take the Chargers. They, they, well, they're it, unbelievable it is, on the it road. It is because they've got a few more pieces back. Well, they're 7-1 and one on the road this year. Go ahead. they got a few more pieces back than they didn't have in the game in L.A. Uh, Melvin Gordon. There's a good chance their tight end will be back as well to already go with Antonio Gates and company. Al Lerner's if back. They, if they are able to assemble some kind of a running game, that will make things a little easier yeah. for Rivers in the passing game. No question. So, and then uh, then it's up to the Ravens' defense to force the turnovers. And right. Lamar's got to take care of the football. If he doesn't take care of the football in this it's game, all, I think they're going to yeah. lose. I would agree with sure. you on that. Tell us when uh, people can uh, watch and uh, listen mon- to Section 336. Monday nights we stream just like this on Facebook at facebook.com section 336. And then uh, Facebook doc, Facebook Live, Facebook.com slash yeah, Section three thirty six. Okay. Yeah. Um, or uh, anytime in your iTunes, whatever you use for podcasts, section three thirty six up there all the time. All right. We appreciate your stopping by today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, we're gonna take our last time out of the program right now and we're gonna tell folks about our favorite place to stop by to eat or drink and be merry and that's the costas inn and we did a lot of that over the holiday yes well you did (laughs) you did did. 4100 north point boulevard uh the tree and family has owned the costas inn since what 72 1971 71 so that's 29 and 18 is 47 years they're on their 48th year We'll be celebrating 50 years with those not, folks. Not too long, yeah. yeah. Great family, seriously, but but for food, uh, Monday night is crab, crab cake, cake night. night. Tuesday night is rib night. Wednesday night is steak night. Thursday night is lobster night. Friday, Pete has a whole bag of tricks that he pulls out of yeah, the... Yeah, th- uh, there's great specials on the menu yeah. every night uh, if you stop by the Costas Inn. And don't forget, you can also ship your crab cakes to family members across the country you can send them steamed crabs they'll take care of all of it for you at the cost of sin they treat you like family and i've been going there a long long time well you know what i told nick i said the, how i got started with knowing him so well and becoming such a good friend was because you and i did the uh ravens show like the second year the ravens were in town right we did something we out there. We, we did a wednesday night show uh, up front in, as you're coming through the door yep. and we were live for an hour hour and a half or whatever and, uh, and I took a famous photograph of you at the yeah Costa yeah you did and yes. uh, but anyway uh, that's how I got to meet Nick and we hit it off sports wise and I've known the Triantopoulos family since about 1995 yeah so it's a long time great relationship uh, the Costas in we'll be back to close this baby up in just a minute respect It's more than a word. 
In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference, both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. Score big at the Green Turtle with our legendary crab dip, juicy burgers, or any of our delicious boardwalk iced teas and lemonades. Bring the whole team and celebrate your latest win in our rent-free party room. Need to raise money for your sports league or team? Our Funds for Friends program has raised over $1 million for local sports organizations. Everyone is a winner at the Turtle. Visit thegreenturtle.com to find your local Turtle. Pressbox's annual Best of Baltimore Sports Double Issue is now available. Presented by Maryland Sports Commission. This issue recognizes UMBC basketball's Ryan Odom and Jarris Lyles as our local sports persons of the year. Plus 60 more are in the spotlight as we look at the top people, performances, and moments of the year. Pressbox is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Matt, we normally come on here and tell everyone, go listen to Section 336 and just to take our advice to go listen to 336. Instead of us telling you why we're awesome, let's have other people tell you why we're awesome. This person says, definitely a bunch of Oriole fans who just want to be able to buy playoff tickets. Section 336 is the greatest Baltimore Orioles podcasts around look forward to listening every week these guys are coconuts and if that's not enough reason to listen they are a great listen if you want orioles talk even during the off season if you're lucky they might even talk about the ravens josh matt and bert are a must listen every week check section 336 out for yourself on itunes or wherever you get your podcasts what a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing and at steve's chick-fil-a in nottingham square his folks come around to check on you if you dine in they refilled my drink for nothing the last time i was there do not leave hungry top off your next meal at chick-fil-a nottingham square with something sweet shakes cones and cookies all done the way you'd expect from chick-fil-a perfectly join chick-fil-a one and score points every time you order for free stuff our chick-fil-a is on campbell boulevard in the nottingham square shopping center and speaking of Chick-fil-A, if you want it on Sundays, it's available. With Chick-fil-A's reheatable chilled nugget trays, you can have Chick-fil-A on Sunday. Make all your events remarkable with Chick-fil-A catering trays, but you got to act today. It's perfect for tailgating, birthdays, or office parties. Chick-fil-A on Sundays. And if you're having some people over to watch that Ravens game tomorrow, act today. Your friends will thank you for it. 
One other note about tomorrow's game, Press Box's Project Game Day is back at halftime and postgame for every Baltimore football game. You can react live for us on Press Box with us. Excuse me. You can react live with us on Press Box's Facebook page. Glenn Clark hosts at halftime, and he's joined by the NFL chick, Sarita Hubbard, postgame. Project Game Day is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. Catch all the action at your neighborhood Glory Days Grill, where they have tons of TVs to catch every moment of every game. Glory Days Grill, great food, good sports. Press Boxes, Project Game Day, Facebook.com slash Press Box Sports. And we are back uh, to wrap things up on the show. What are you laughing at? I thought some some board ops would have then wanted to play music there. Right. Yeah. And she was clearly not one of those and, board and, ops. And, some and I host, realized and that some hose coming out of a break wouldn't have tried to throw it to another break. <laughs> I love this guy. Yeah. Uh-huh. Josh, we appreciate you stopping in today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right. We'll have you on again sometime soon. Sounds, All right. sounds good. All right. Uh, happy, healthy New Year to everybody out there. <laughs> it we, might be for me next week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> got to give Craig a shout out before we go. He came through, got me this nice Caps book. There you go. All right. Yeah. I offered to split it with him. But he he kept saying no. He wanted all the glory, I guess. Yeah, he wants all the glory. (laughs) Wants all the credit with you. All right. uh, We will be back uh, next Saturday. Among our guests next Saturday, Craig, at 1045, Ben Badler uh, from uh, Baseball America, who does a fantastic job on the international scouting uh, world. He's going to join us next Saturday. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, and go Ravens. 